0: And in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Investment Property Income Podcast. My name is Jeff Eadie and joining me today, as always, is Jonathan Tilger, mortgage broker extraordinaire. Somebody who's been in the business well over a decade and a heck of a nice guy. Jonathan, how are you today, sir? I'm awesome, Jeff. How about you? I am fantastic. Thank you. And I hate you for making me laugh every time I play play record, press record. (laughs) So... Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that
1: part, part of the fun we do?
0: <laughs> it is fun. It, uh, I believe, though, we got my snort on, uh, on record there. <sighs> Anywho, been an interesting day. Uh, I, we both know that I'm a little over-caffeinated today, so let's see how this one works out uh just a, a quick reminder for anybody listening this is coming out uh this this will come out on sunday on tuesday at 12 p.m we are going to go live on zoom we'll make sure that you get the link to uh to join us get any of your questions answered and uh well hey get to see us in person and face to face if you listen to the podcast like it and uh want to get uh um some some Questions answered. Some, you know, just want to chat with us. It's great. Sorry, I got to turn my phone upside down, Jonathan. I got totally sidetracked in the middle of that. My friend in Australia wants to say hello, <sighs> but not right now. Anyhow, um, Jonathan, you so did, up did, great so, so you
1: turn your phone down under. Then is that what you're saying?
0: <laughs> it was there. I had to. As we collectively sigh. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan, let's be serious. <laughs> There's some things going on in the world. There's some uh, some changes happening in the finance world that you and I actually, you you were the first one to tell you, you, you took uh, economics, right? You have a BA in economics? That is correct. Yeah. So I remember calling you all crazy one day when I figured out how closely linked the bond market is to interest rates for mortgages. You're like, yeah, <laughs> and you said, yeah. If the uh, the bond rate, what is it? When the bonds, when the Bank of Canada sells bonds, generally we see a, a rise in interest rates. Is that correct? Uh, forty five days later. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so when bonds become more available, we see a, a rise in interest rates.
1: Yeah, it was just just one of those things, and I believe our discussion was around what's happened in the last little bit on the market when they had been buying up bonds and you would asked me the question, Hey, you, you you've read that one. What does that mean? So it's them buying up bonds as their way to stimulate the market, to basically put money into the
0: market by them doing this. Well, it's basically like a, a reverse supply and demand, isn't it? It's kind of weird that way, but when they, they, Create scare? Is it because they're dumping money into bonds, or is it because there's like less of them out there? I, I don't understand the correlation totally. I have a I'm trying to get my head around that. Anyhow, the topic today, as we <laughs> is what, what you know, how are these interest rates affecting you? How do they get started? Um, we've already jumped into it. This is an interesting conversation for me. So, Jonathan, let's let's go back to last summer when uh, obviously the pandemic hit and the Bank of Canada said, "Hey, we're going to start buying up." all sorts of bonds, they bought like 1800 times what they would normally buy last summer. And then we saw historically low interest rates. Can you kind of link that correlation? Link, back well, link those two. well
1: if, if you go to the bank of canada they really have they essentially there's two primary actions they can take one is buying selling bonds the second one is adjusting the overnight lending rate uh both of them will have one the buying selling bonds will affect more the fixed rates the overnight lending rate affect the variable rate so those two actions are what they can take to either stimulate or slow down the economy so by them buying bonds, effectively, they are putting money into the market, driving interest rates down, which is putting more capital available. So as the pandemic sort of they were in the beginning stage of the pandemic, that was one of the steps they took to ensure to make it more affordable for homeowners with their mortgages mm-hmm. and and just make it uh, make basically capital less expensive for businesses who had loans and so forth to make to make their cost of borrowing lower so that way to help their liquidity as a business
0: you just took me down a whole nother path and I really wanted to get into but I got to ask this what about mortgage deferrals that are happening right now uh, well, the ones
1: that were happening, obviously you can't defer your mortgage payments forever or be on an interest in payment only forever. Uh, there will hit a time where the lenders and, and a lot of lenders have gone, well, we need to get back on track with our payments. So the deferrals, eventually they go on for a period
0: of time, then they stop. And then it's the regular payments need to resume. So here was my thing about that. I don't believe that the major lenders do anything out of the kindness of their hearts. Do you think that the interests stopped running during those deferrals or did that just keep ticking away in the background Oh, the the interest 100% kept ticking away in the background yeah. <laughs> so here don't make a few payments but we'll just we'll make it up on the back end don't worry about it we got you <laughs> those could have ended up costing people a lot of money and and generally speaking those who deferred
1: their payments 100% those were generally people who had equity in their properties if someone had bought say with just five percent down they would not allow them to fully defer they may they may have popped them on an interest only payment but they didn't have the equity to actually allow the interest to to accrue
0: so let me ask you you know as we talk about that um in the case of an insured mortgage what happened to people who you know were at the point of deferring or say they missed a payment how does that work Wow, this is going down a whole different road.
1: <laughs> well, one one mispayment, okay, you sort of get a notice, you would have a penalty for that. Two mispayments, again, you get a second notice, a penalty. Once you get to three, that's where, and I'm not talking deferred, and th- th- this this goes back to if you've been proactive, you deferred, and this, I mean, this was obviously during the pandemic when there was a lot more media notice around that, but there, but at any point during your mortgage, if you are in a situation where you're recognizing, hey, I'm, I may be falling behind, you're better to reach out and talk to your lender before you miss a payment. Once you miss a payment, it's like, okay, all bets are off. But if you reach out before that happens and go through things and lay them out here, here's the plan of getting things back on track, I need three months, they will often work with you to, uh, to help you out. Mm.
0: I kind of want to stay on this. I think this is a whole separate discussion though uh it does tie in to to our original uh, you know kind of topic here but i think it's it, it deserves its own space so in the interest of that we're talking about interest and the fact that it's going up how much has it gone up recently
1: uh we've moved up uh depending on the lender somewhere between a quarter 20, that's 0.25% to maybe about 0. 0.3, 0.4%, depending on the lender. Where were interest rates before this rise, and when did it happen? It really happened about two weeks ago. Okay. So where where were interest rates before? Uh, if you ha- getting an insured mortgage, a five-year fixed rate, uh, I was down 1.5%. Now now they're closer to 1.92%. Okay. So, not a huge jump. Not a huge jump and historically speaking, even at the current rates they are still incredibly low.
0: Yeah. Now, there is something to take in, into account there though. If it's at 1.5% and it's jumping by 0.25, what is that? Like 20% increase? Uh yeah, about a yeah, around 20% exactly. See, I can do quick math. <laughs> uh- <laughs> I get close enough and then say this, and then I I hope you say, yeah, you're right. Uh, So that being said, how does a 20% increase in the interest rate affect people? So I guess if you've got a
1: fixed rate, your rate will have not, will not change with that. Uh, Got a variable rate, obviously, if the prime rate changes, which that hasn't moved yet, but that would, that would move immediately with the prime rate.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But what people need to be aware of is what happens at renewal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And right now, I mean, a a small move like that will not have an astronomical effect that won't affect people very much. Uh, But if, if, even if we just go back to the, I'll say the pre pandemic levels where rates were around three and a quarter to three and a half that can, now we're looking at, what double, almost double uh, what could be, what could be the rate for some people who are getting the mortgage today, that can have a pretty significant change in your
0: payment. Yeah. I was going to say, so if the interest rate doubles, does that mean your payment doubles?
1: Not, not a a flat out double because you do have the principal portion in there. And it depends on amortization. There's a number of factors in there.
0: But at that time you could re-amortize, I would imagine.
1: You could if, if, uh, so if you've had the house for five years, you're now, you're now sort of a, sort of, you've got between the, your mortgage pay down and your, your equity buildup, you're now say 20 or 75% loan to value, 80% loan to value or lower, then you've got the opportunity where you could, you could, instead of just renewing and picking up with the same amortization remaining, you could extend the amortization out.
0: Okay. So there are options to to not, <clears throat> you know, be completely under the gun when it comes time to renew, if not, if. When interest rates rise, I mean, let's face it, they have to go up at some point. Yes. <laughs> they can't stay this low forever. Um, how fast do you think this is going to happen?
1: I know that, that summertime last year, the Bank of Canada said 2023 was their target, probably to not move the prime rate until then. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if there are a lot of economic changes, they may that might change. And by economic changes, I mean if suddenly the the economy just explodes, uh, suddenly the, the pandemic's over, we're back to work, and they start seeing inflation as a bigger concern. Then that they might change that mandate. But right now, that's sort of their target. The fixed rates, as we've discussed, are in a bit of a different. There's different factors affecting the fixed rates, mm-hmm. uh, particularly more global factors. So that like, I mean, like f- what? fix like what? Be, because it's some
0: of that big brain, big brain knowledge on us
1: because <laughs> the fixed rates are tied in directly with with bonds and yes the Bank of Canada can affect things by buying and selling bonds but because they are tied in directly with the bond market that if there are factors in Europe in Asia that would drive the bond market prices higher then then it would affect the, uh, the mortgage fixed rates here.
0: Well, wow, you know what? That, that, that's interesting. I mean, I don't think we saw a direct path from something happening on the other side of the world to your um, mortgage monthly mortgage payment. But I think a lot of times we ignore stuff like that and don't understand how much it does affect us in our, our daily life. So thank you for that. That's kind of cool you know, yeah, well something, something happens in the Japanese bond market, say somebody gets elected or assassinated or whatever you could end up paying more or less on your mortgage because of it That's crazy yes it's like well, our oil prices though and-,
1: and and we we saw that particularly i mean two thousand eight as the u s market they went through their stuff our our mortgage rates dropped. We saw that as as and, and in sort of As we went through like the 2012, 13, 14, 15, with European, with a lot of stability, instability with European markets, where there were various countries who were on the verge of bankruptcy, and so as a result, there was all these bailouts happening, which affected the bond rates, and it kept our it kept our mortgage uh, our mortgage interest rates very low.
0: Yeah, what's a bond paying right now in Canada? It's like less than a dollar, less than ninety cents, I think. Yeah, well, less less than a percent, yeah. Or less. Yeah, sorry. Dollar. Yeah, (laughs) I knew what I meant. (laughs) I'm only trying to make it more confusing for you. Uh, (laughs) It's like trying to, you know, trip you up just so I can catch up. Uh, (laughs) So what do you like? Do you think? I guess anybody getting into speaking now because there is the feeding frenzy of everyone buying their mortgages uh, or buying their houses and getting mortgages right now. Do you think they're in for a rude awakening in five years when they go to refinance? And this this is a difficult one to call. And I'm saying that because there have
1: been signs saying this is going to happening for a while. <laughs> uh, but but right now. Right now, I think that the frenzy that's been happening, particularly in the outlying areas around Toronto, you've seen a little bit in Toronto, but in the outlying areas, I mean, down down your way, sort of Niagara area, Barry, those areas have been exploding Mm -hmm. price-wise. And I think that the fact that rates have dropped as low as they did, that is a major factor as to why that happened. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, the... I'll just say the boomerang effect going back to the Australian reference that we started out with <laughs> is what happens when let's just say a year and a half, two years from now rates rise up and let's just talk to the pre COVID levels. I'm not even, not even talking the pre 2008 levels because pre 2008 rates were over 5%, mm-hmm. but the pre COVID levels just being over 3%. What will happen? Will, will this frenzy, will suddenly prices collapse? or just will will they stagnate might they drop and if there is a sudden like if there is a big jump in interest rates and we're just talking two percent right now percent and a half two percent that could slow the housing market down considerably
0: yeah um i like how nice you were about all of that i'm not uh i'm not as diplomatic i think there's some big problems coming for a lot of people um people aren't buying with logic they're buying on emotion and that's never a good thing that's you know i worked in institutional financing for uh, a minute or two and i remember looking at all these these massive you know multi-billion dollar uh transactions and investments to take place and i realized at the end of the day it all comes down to the little guy contributing uh you know weekly or monthly to a pension plan or whatever that is. And these you know, pension plans, though they have massive clout, are all made up of individuals like us. And when individuals all start to collectively think something, that's when the market either gets good or the market gets bad. And it's kind of not getting caught up in that, that herd mentality is what's made a lot of investors rich and a lot of investors poor. Exactly. And and uh, just back to what you're saying about the herd
1: mentality and the housing prices particular, I know that there has been a big selling point that has been used by the industry is don't look at the price of the house, look at the monthly payment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Um, I was talking with uh, a friend of mine the other day who's a uh, Worked for one of the banks as a mobile uh, mortgage specialist. And we were just kind of kibitzing over this whole frenzy that's going on. And I said, what's the most often heard reason that people want to buy houses right now? And it's the same as it was back in like 2017 and 2016. Because I feel if I don't get in now, I'll never be able to get in. And it's crazy. Do you, do you find that answer a lot? Yes, I do. Yeah, and it's crazy that that's the reason for buying a house—not as an investment, not as a home for my children—but <laughs> simply because if I don't do it now, I'll never get in. And you know, that's uh, that's kind of a Black Friday super sale sort of mentality, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I have friends who are like, "Oh, should I buy now?" I'm like, ah, "I give it a couple months. I'd give it a couple months. Why do you want to buy when everybody's trying to buy it?" You know. Uh that being said, you know, I don't like to talk doom and gloom. Are there opportunities for people who decide to wait, even though there might be a, a slightly higher interest rate? Do you think it would give them a little more security to know when it rises before they, they mortgage? Or, or do you think if they're on a variable, maybe they should lock in now if they have that option?
1: I mean, right, right now, especially if you're able to lock in below, below 2%, for the i'll just say risk reward standpoint mm-hmm. going yes okay you can save a little bit on the variable rate right now but what's the risk reward over that five years how, how much how much how much reward are you taking to save that little bit and we're i mean we're only talking i mean less than a half percent right now between a variable and fixed and what's the risk should those rates rise by a percent, 2%. So just from that standpoint, I just think fixed, I mean, locking a rate in right now makes a lot of sense.
0: You know what? I'm, I'm going to air some of my grievances with the mortgage industry. I hate when you see um, rates advertised. You know, that's the big thing that that mortgage companies do. Oh, we can get you this rate. A, Maybe. <laughs> maybe i don't know you're not qualified i don't know if you can get that rate and b um it teaches people to really go after the rate so like you said if it's a if there's a half a point difference you know, or 50 bips as they say in the industry um those you know 50 basis points what's that translate to in a monthly payment 30 bucks 40 bucks yeah, well, I'll go go with the standard ender. It depends, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> but whereas, you know, you could see these interest rates rise over the next couple of years by, you know, it's not unheard of 2-3%. That's a massive difference and exactly what you said, the, the the risk reward. People shop all the time on on rate when they should really should be looking at the long term. Hey, what's going to happen in 5 years with this rate? Not today can I qualify. Yep. <sighs> Good conversation, Jonathan. It definitely is. Kind of went in uh, some directions I didn't think it was going to, but it, it, well, it's, it's kind of important to understand all these different facets. Like, Hey man, people can get stuck right now. Really can get stuck. Although, you know, what's, what would be, I guess, to, to let, let's wrap this up. What would be your best bit of advice for anybody who is concerned about this trending interest rate rise um, and where it's going to be at the end of their mortgage? What, what should they do today? To start thinking about and preparing for stuff. Well this this is one of these things where I like
1: to say depends on where you're going to be. And I've had the question saying, well, aren't you worried about young people going No, you, the young people are the people I'm not worried about And the reason being someone, let's just say they' buy, they're buying a house in their late 20s, early 30s. They're they're the people I'm not worried about because the reality is, is that in five years time, let's just say they lock in the rates 2% higher in five years time. The reality is in five years time, they'll most likely, the majority of them will be earning more money Mm -hmm. just because they're usually earlier in their careers right now. They'll have moved up, be at a higher position, whatever the case is. So more likely they're going to be earning more money five years from now. Mm-hmm. the people who are i'd say the the larger concern who are those who have kind of they're at that that stagnating point in their career where their income's not going to really increase much if you're getting into a situation where you can barely afford it today rates go up you will have i mean if you can barely afford it today and your income probably will not increase much you could be in trouble <laughs> you could have some 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 problems let's just
0: put it that way so what should people do to to do their best to not be there right now. If you can afford it,
1: uh, put money aside. I either take the money and invest it. So that way it's earning additional returns for you. So that way a few years from now, rates are higher. You've got, you've got a cushion mm-hmm. uh, or, or if, if you're saying, well, you're not comfortable that route, then work on paying your mortgage down right now with rates so much lower. If you're able with rates so much lower, you should be in a situation where, especially if you bought your house a few years ago, if you got the lower rate today, take the extra money, put it towards your mortgage if you're don't, if you not comfortable going the investment route. The investment route is my preference, mm-hmm. just because long term, especially if you're getting money at 2% or lower right now, even if you just popped into a mutual fund, you can probably at least double, if not triple that, that return. Did, and you, so just, it- did you just say the M word? I said
0: that, really? I said, e- even if, even really? if that, that's your, <laughs> that, that, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to stop this broadcast right now. Go back <laughs> over that. Sorry. Continue, Jonathan. So I'll, I'll e- e- even
1: if you're not comfortable with anything else, and that is the only route I would, there, there are far better routes you can take. That's other podcasts we've done, and we can definitely <laughs> open up other things on those topics. But even if you're saying, hey, I want something safe, conservative, I then then you can probably at least double the triple that return. So, so in five years' time, the money you're putting in there, you can probably, if suddenly rates are higher, you're like, how do I manage? Well, take that money, cash it out pay your mortgage down and now you can manage on a higher payment or on a lower payment because you had a lower mortgage amount.
0: Yeah. I'm going to take that opportunity to, to expand. So obviously two, two routes there. One is put some money away or work on paying it down. You know, if you've got the early repayment option every year, take advantage of it. So it's going to, it's not going to hit you as hard in a couple of years. The other one is, you know, look at investing in real estate because that's what, you know, that's, That's why we're here. That's why we started this is to teach people how to, you know, buy one property at a time to create your own style of pension. I mean, really this is, this is exactly what it is. Buying, buying investment properties to create your own pension because pensions are gone. Um, yeah, I, I'm i 100% behind you on that. I I People are far too conservative. That first step is a doozy, I understand. However, when you look at the numbers, he, here's the thing. People are buying right now houses on emotion and not looking at the logic. It's probably not ever going to change. But if you are listening to this podcast and you do it on a, a regular basis, There's a math behind it, a science behind it, and buying that first property could set you up for five years. Even if you had to let go of the investment property and just pay off your house now, you're going to be a heck of a lot closer to it than than if you hadn't done that. So now is the time to do that with low interest rates. It's just the housing prices. You got to do smart on that side, and that's that's a whole other podcast where we talked about having your team. Holy cow. They all link together, Jonathan. It's all one. Uh, Crazy, isn't it? (laughs) So, that's some some great advice, Jonathan. Anything you want to wrap this up with today? Really, um, if uh, I would
1: love to talk with you, if you've got any questions, got any concerns about your mortgage, got any really uh, or just want the next steps you're excited you want to move forward with something and you're not quite sure where to start I'd love to have a conversation please reach out and uh, and of course
0: always thank you for listening to our podcasts <laughs> yeah of course uh, yeah thanks so much for being a part of this and uh, we will soon be available on Spotify I'm hoping uh, by the end of this week I'm doing some designing which Jonathan knows just how much I'd lo- love designing cover art and stuff like that uh, <laughs> But uh, make sure to join us next Tuesday at noon Eastern Standard Time for our very first special live Zoom broadcast of the Investment Property Income Podcast. Jonathan, thank you so much for being a part of this. If you haven't already, you can uh, shoot us an email over to Jonathan. Get a hold of him at mortgageplan.com I think that really says everything in what we're trying to do there. That is a great email address. You know, Investment Property Income at a mortgage plan. Uh, (laughs) Couldn't be more on the nose with that one. Um, And you can also download the book at investmentpropertyincomebook.com. Jonathan, as always, I appreciate you. I love that we take the time to do this weekly and uh, appreciate everybody else for joining us. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you soon.